Hi, everyone. Welcome to Supplements, the podcast for learning a little about wines and a lot about natural supplements. I'm Val. And I'm Ben. Stick around as we rate some wine and then discuss the specifics of a different herb, vitamin, or other natural supplement every week. Today, we will be tasting a red wine out of France and then chatting about vitamin K. Keep in mind that while I have a ton of knowledge in the area of supplements, I am not a doctor, and this podcast does not substitute for medical advice. Okay, so what wine do you have for us today? Do I have? From yes, our, you from have our, procured it from our wine rack. From our dear friends <laughs> at First Leaf. <laughs> we have a, a very hearty wine this week to start things off. This one's coming from the Fat Bastard Wine Company in France. It is a blend of Grenache, Syrah, and Mouved grapes. Okay. Syrah being one of your personal favorites. That's not... I'm pretty excited. I'm glad that you're doing the tasting on this one because... I'm a little afraid I'm going to blow it whenever you ask me like the flavors that I'm looking for. Nah. (laughs) Last week wasn't too impressive on that front. So... No. You'll do great. Just think about all your favorite foods and things and they'll all come up. I have full confidence. Well, let's start with the name of the wine, shall we? The wine is named Le Frère Bastard, which even with my very minimal high school French leads me to believe it's called the Bastard Brothers. So cute, very cute. And the label is likewise cute with two French soldiers from looks like the French Revolution or Napoleonic Wars sitting on the back of a hippopotamus. There you go. Delightful. It's cute. Yep. Why is there a bullseye on the on the animal's head. That looks like the logo of the company itself. It's not really a bullseye. It's two, no, it's two a, rings. That's a bullseye. Cheers. Okay. So we should mention as well, for those that aren't with us here in our kitchen, which is everyone, just to kind of set the mood, we're still about three weeks out from Halloween, I think at this point. For recording time, but I think it might be the week of Halloween when we release this. Yeah. So it's quite fitting. We got busy a lot earlier than we ever do before any holiday, and we decorated our exterior with some lighting for Halloween. There's the Christmas lights outside now. Yeah, well, they're, they, you could call them Christmas. They're purple and blue. <laughs> quite spooky, if you ask me. And the second appearance tonight of the I'm Here for a Booze classes. We have to get Thank our you. mileage out of these. Thank you, Dollar Tree. <laughs> I'm feeling delightfully tacky and spooky. So let us quiz you, Val, on the taste of this wine. I'm ready. All right. We noticed that whenever we ordered or whenever we got this box, this specific wine did not have a card to lead us because it was brand new to First Leaf. Oh, is that so? I didn't realize that was the issue. That's the issue. Cool. We thought there would be some ratings for us to compare to online, but there are not. So I think what we'll do instead, so we have we have a bit of a guide here about kind of the general flavor profile for Syrahs. And even though this is a blend, I think we're going to, you know, stick with the idea that this is fitting of a Syrah style. And so maybe we'll just kind of compare things that you're picking up, Val, with, with the profiles that are more representative of Syrahs in general and just kind of see where we land. Okay. Right? And we can kind of do it on the same scale of one to five and just see where we go. And then anybody who's interested in following along with us at home or in their car. And not in the car. In the passenger seat <laughs> or the back seat. I think that's still illegal. So I'll keep track of what I think versus what Ben thinks, and that's what we'll just post on Facebook this week. Oh, you're keeping track. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm going to keep track. Okay. First off, let's um, well, let's go down the line. Let's start with an easy one. Let's start with body. Body. What are you for body? 
I was going to say three out of five. Hmm. Um, so I'm kind of cheating because I have the book, the mm-hmm. kind of summary okay. in front of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I hopefully our listeners will believe me and you'll believe me when I say that I did feel like it was a five out of five for body. And that's, oh, really? And that's what it. I felt like there was not too much well. of a lingering taste with uh, this one. Not a lingering taste, but just like a, a real richness. I think. Mm. Yeah. I agree mm-hmm. that the taste kind of falls off at the end. Yeah. yeah. So you want to stick with five out of five? I'm sticking five. Okay. Okay. What about sweetness? Also, maybe an easy one. Oh, you. St- I mean, but we are already scoring so differently. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I was going to say two. I felt it was pretty dry. In general, our guide says that a Syrah is typically in about a one or so. Ooh. Yeah. Very much not sweet. So this one, you know, it's different. It's a blend, so maybe it's very little bit. It has a little more sweetness. I think a little bit. I was sometimes fruit and sweetness get a little bit confusing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And how fruity for do you the think inexperienced this one is? person. I was going to say a four. No, I'll, I'll agree with a four. We don't really have anything to go by for fruitiness. For alcohol, Syrahs are theoretically in, in like a three. Oh, I thought you were talking about percentage. <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, for fruitiness, sure. I'd say a four. That seems right. Okay, it's pretty pretty powerful. Do you have anything in particular to say about either the acidity or the tannin content? It tastes pretty high in tannins, I feel like, compared to the last Syrah that we tasted, mm. which was so good. I don't know how you remember <laughs> flavors. I am I just cannot conjure up a flavor. Oh, because I really from liked weeks it. Ago. This one I think is a little bit more tanniny. Tanniny. Mm. Ten tanner tannerific. Tannerific. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sounds good. Yeah. Tanimonious? No. I think that's it. Pretty sure. I think that's what I heard. A three. A three on tannins? Yeah. No. I still can't figure out what tannins are, so I'm going to bail on that one. That's uh, it? You just are going to bail? I think so. I mean, so maybe we can actually read some of the information that we do have provided to us through the, the First Leaf interface. Just kind of a, a paragraph description of this wine itself, just to give people a little more information. Should we finish reading it, it first and then we can do that? Because we only have one left. Mm, I think I'd rather read this other stuff first and then read it. Okay. At the end, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. This particular wine, or the grapes for the wine, are grown in uh, along the left bank of the Rhone River. This is the Roussillon region. That's where the Grenache grapes are coming from. The Syrah grapes are coming from the right bank of the Rhone River. We're, mm-hmm. we're multi-banking this. And the oh Languedoc region for the Mouvedre grapes. It's interesting. So what's weird is like the soil differences for all these different grapes. Apparently, pebble stones are characteristic for where the Grenache is growing. Whereas you get more of a limestone flavor or limestone influence for the Syrah and then clay and limestone for the Nevedra. Well, yeah, I'm sure that influences how minerally yeah. the grapes are. That's that's pretty interesting. I wouldn't have expected to see so much difference in some regions that are quite close together. Another interesting thing I found was that, I mean, obviously this is a blend. So the grapes are you know all requiring different kind of growing schedules and things like that. But they went into the detail here of the, f- the fact that the Syrah is picked first. The beginning of September, the Grenache comes a bit later in mid-September, and the Mavedra is the last around end of September, early October, which is right here. So this is oh, know, a nice seasonal kind of pick. A, yeah, kind of a seasonal wine, and, and here we are. Although then you need to age it for six months. So That's okay. I feel like we've chosen appropriately. Here we are. A nice fall-influenced wine. So, your rating. Acidity, three. Okay. I'm doing the three. Yeah, three for acidity lines up with Syrahs in general. It doesn't taste particularly acidic to me. What's your rating then? I'll go a bit different. I'll go go two. Okay, so overall, out of five, what would you rate this? I I don't like this as much as the other Syrah, unfortunately. I know, me either. But you just said Um, that you can't remember. 
I don't remember what it tasted like. I remember really enjoying it. I think that because this one is a blend of three different grapes. So yeah, we might just, I think I just tend to like straight up Syrah. Well, that could be. I mean, I've tasted blends that I really enjoyed. Yeah. But yeah, there's something about, I think what's really getting me on this one is the finish. I feel like the initial tastes are you know really nice and smooth and, and Yeah, pleasant. the end is a little bit strange, isn't it? And then in the end, it really falls off hard. It's a little rough. Yeah. And, it and then of, it doesn't really linger. It's like the it's like the fruitiness ends, and then it has a little bit longer of an alcohol taste, and then that kind of ends abruptly as well. I don't know. It's just not. I feel like it has kind of a like a real minerally taste at the end after oh, the fruit yeah, and the whatever sweetness I thought yeah. I was tasting kind mm. of fell off. That it's a little bit minerally. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Not my favorite, but I'm gonna give it a three. It's definitely drinkable and enjoyable wine. All right, now that we have had a delicious drink with the Bastard Brothers of the Fat Bastard Wine Company, (laughs) I am intrigued to learn more about vitamin K. And that should be a pretty easy challenge because I know literally nothing about vitamin K. So I decided to do vitamin K today because we just talked about vitamin D a couple of weeks ago and D and K work together. So I thought I might be remiss if I did not talk about vitamin K kind of soon after talking about vitamin D. Gotcha. There are three types of vitamin K. There is vitamin K1. That's philoquinone, and it comes from plants, and it makes up most of your dietary vitamin K. Then there's vitamin K2, and that's the menaquinone. K2 actually represents a whole family of menaquinones. There are nine of them, but there are two that get the most attention. It's MK4 and MK7. Menaquinone 4 and menaquinone 7. Menaquinone 4 comes from the conversion of your dietary K1 from plants. Okay. And MK7 is the one that you will see on the more high quality vitamin K supplements. And what's special about MK7? MK7 is the most absorbable form. Gotcha. It comes from a fermented soybean food called natto. Is that like a Necco wafer? Not even close. Not even, okay. The natto is a soybean product that's fermented with Bacillus subtilis natto Mm. bacteria. It forms this form of vitamin K. Interesting. I showed you a picture of the fermented soybeans. I was not into it. You were not interested. No. But some people like it. I mean, it's good for you. Wait, is it, are those all the types of vitamin K? No. Oh, okay, sorry. Your intestinal bacteria can also produce vitamin K2. It's in a part of your intestine. You can still reabsorb some of it. Is there something that I can eat to make them want to produce even more of it? That's a good question, and I'm not sure. Okay. So when you take antibiotics, it could disrupt the bacteria in your intestines that produce the vitamin K. Right. So you just want to keep that in mind. I just know that. There is a third kind of vitamin K. Can you guess what it is? Vitamin K square. Three. Oh, three. It is the man-made synthetic form of vitamin K, but it is banned by the FDA for toxicity in humans, so you can't take it. Good. It's used in animal feed, usually for cattle. Sometimes you'll find it in dog food, but I saw a little bit when I was reading about it that it's probably not that good to be feeding to your dog. Vitamin K2 is naturally found in a few animal products. So vitamin K1 comes from your plants. Mm. Vitamin K2 can be found in whole milk, butter, or liver from grass-fed cows, egg yolks, or the natto, the fermented soybean. These all sound like fine things to eat. Mm, Yeah, they're fine. Or fine things to mix into other things. 
I also just wanted to mention that the daily recommended amount for men is 120 micrograms and for women is 90 micrograms. I'm not sure if I've been mentioning those, but I I mean to. So 120 micrograms and 90 micrograms. Does that vary a lot if you are older, younger, or pregnant? Pregnant or breastfeeding teens need 75 micrograms, and pregnant or breastfeeding women, 90. So it's the same as the just adult woman dosage. Okay. There are a whole bunch of different age ranges for children, though. So if you're interested in that, then it's on the NIH fact sheet for vitamin K, which I will link. All right, so those are the three different types or so of vitamin K, and it's closely linked to vitamin D. But what does it do for us? I'm so glad you I'm asked. Still, I'm still, I'm still waiting. <laughs> I guess I did not give the overview of what we were going to talk about today, like I normally do. Yeah, I think you skipped right through. I, I think I did. I just passed right through it. You just, you just love that Syrah so much. I just got to keep you guys on your, on the edges of your seats today. <laughs> <laughs> so vitamin K is necessary for blood clotting. It helps with this by activating the clotting and the anticoagulation proteins. So your body knows to clot or not clot, etc. So like if you're deficient, you can have clotting issues, which means you could bleed out or you could have too many clots. Wow. Okay. I know. That's super confusing. Clearly though, as with anything else, it's not the only thing that regulates these agents right. in your body. So I wouldn't worry too terribly much about it, Okay. honestly. It also helps with bone formation and repair of your bone tissue. It reduces the amount of calcium in your pee, so it can be used elsewhere, like more efficiently. And it attracts calcium to the bone, so it'll take extra calcium out of your blood and attract it to the bone where it needs to be going, which is great because... We actually had a conversation about calcium when my mom was here, and not on the podcast, but just in general just conversation. Because the podcast is not the only place where you're throwing down some. Because mad I'm a huge nerd. Supplement okay. knowledge. <laughs> but a lot of calcium supplements actually are sourced from limestone. And whenever you get a limestone based calcium, it can collect in places that are not ideal. Yeah. So it can sit in your blood and it can cause hardened arteries, or it can create bone spurs, or like kidney stones, or things like that. And so it's really beneficial to have vitamin K if you're taking, you know, any calcium really, but especially if you don't know where it comes from, then it can help attract the calcium out of your blood. So it's not causing hardened arteries and into your bones where it belongs. I thought that was so interesting. This next fact was also just so, you know, a cause for me to like geek out all by myself while I'm reading. (laughs) (laughs) Vitamin K helps synthesize the tissue in your bone where the calcium crystallizes. So it's it's like the lattice that the calcium latches onto and crystallizes on to form your bone tissue. It's like a bone scaffold. It's crazy. I just thought that, it was nuts. That is really intense. So it so it like attaches itself to bone cells and then kind of like reaches out and creates new structures. So I imagine this has a lot attached. to do with how your bones repair themselves. Okay. So if you break a bone and you need new bone tissue, right? Yeah. Then the vitamin K helps form like the lattice work for it. And then the calcium can pew, 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 crystallize. Wait, it can laser fire. It can, it can shoot <laughs> rocket lasers at the existing bone tissue no (laughs) fair enough (laughs) understood (laughs) i'll remember the next time next time you break both of your arms when you're running at night hey this is not a podcast about (laughs) inadmissible 
I declare that evidence inadmissible in this court of recorded law. <laughs> also, it was dark, so there. This is why you don't run in the dark, folks. The sidewalk was not You just maintained. trip over the sidewalk and break both your arms at the same time. It may or may not have been in a quest for the most steps in a Fitbit challenge. Bodies can be sacrificed when, you know, when, when real pride is on the line. I stood by that until that day. <laughs> Vitamin K also helps promote healthy liver functions, which is good. Like, you know, we're drinking wine. Yeah. Pop quiz. Oh, another pop quiz? This is the first pop quiz. Why do newborns get vitamin K injections? Wait, serious answer or joke answer? For real. Okay, for real answer. Okay, newborns get vitamin K injections because they could go blind if they don't get them. It's to prevent brain bleeds. <gasps> I know, it's so serious. Interesting. Why don't they have enough vitamin K to begin with? Why didn't they get enough from their moms and then they're just okay? You know what? I'm not sure. I didn't look it up, actually. What happened before they knew that vitamin K was preventative for brain ble- Were babies just getting brain bleeds all the time? Brain bleeds were happening. Why have we evolved as a species that is predisposed to brain bleeds on birth? I'm not sure. Every baby gets them. Our baby got it. A brain bleed? Vitamin K shot. Vitamin K shot. So I was actually really surprised about it. I didn't know that he got a vitamin K shot. Me either. So I was actually really surprised. So I'm doing this research on this episode and I read that and I was like, wow, this is kind of blowing my mind because nobody told us about it. No, you were asleep. Okay. I was not asleep. I was completely medically put under. You were drowsy. I didn't remember anything about that. So I posted on our local Facebook group for parents. Everyone was like, yeah, duh. And I was like, okay, then. But like, I had no idea that that happened. I reached out to the director of our NICU as well. And she was like, yeah, every baby gets them. It prevents brain bleeds. And I was like, okay, but it's I'm totally like, I want to be clear. I am not angry that our child got it, which I think was the vibe (laughs) that maybe I was putting out whenever I posted on Facebook. That you were an anti-vitamin k -er? I don't know. But I was just, I was just like curious, right? So it's good that he got it. I was just mind blown because given the fact that like i've had a child i still had no idea that this was a thing right so vitamin d and k are both fat soluble and they work together for calcium metabolism i wanted to know how because i always want to know how okay vitamin d produces proteins that require vitamin k to function and i found a really great paper that is on the NIH website, and it has a table in it that compares and summarizes all these different clinical trials and the results of combined vitamin D and K usage. As opposed to separately? Yeah. Okay. And so there's a huge synergistic effect. Yeah. And what are they measuring? Just the effect on like bone health, osteoporosis, like all different symptoms that they say that these vitamins are good for. They tested them together. And these are across lots of different ages? I think so. Um, I don't really remember. Anyway, I will link that article because I thought, you know, any article that has like a nice table or a Venn diagram, I kind of really, it gets me. So Your lung diagram from... uh, I know you can't stop thinking about it, right? No. Because it was so good from last week. Was that from B12? No, from... From zinc. Zinc, yeah. That's right, it was from zinc. Yeah, it was a good one. It was really good. Just last week. Do you you have this one ready? Can I... Can Can you look at it? Can I take a gander? Yeah, of course, right here. This is a table. Yeah, that's what I said, a table. And it Mm. has lots of information. The 
paper is called The Synergistic Interplay Between Vitamins D and K for Bone and Cardiovascular Health, a narrative review. Oh, a narrative review. Yes. Oh, sounds intriguing. Anyway, it's pretty long, but I recommend reading it. It's really interesting. So so it gives you like sample size, all the different treatments, how long the study lasted, the outcome on bone mineral density, bone loss, fractures. I got to say, and I mean this in the best way possible. Oh, no. I respect your passion, and it's so cool to see someone geek out over a table. But this is in no way, shape, or form as interesting as the picture that you showed us for Zinc. This is a straight-up table. He's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong. (laughs) But it just has so many... I mean, as opposed to having to read all these different studies, sure, someone's just summarized it for you, and you could just scroll through it and be like, wow, now I know all the things from these 10 studies without having to read these big papers. Yeah, reviews are great. Love a good review. Anyway, I'll link that. (laughs) I'll link that on Facebook and Instagram. So there are some signs of being deficient that you can watch out for. But honestly, you know, as with anything, the signs for being deficient in vitamin K can also be signs of like, you know, a million other things that can be going on with your body. I don't mean to downplay it, but I also read that it's pretty rare for Americans to be deficient in vitamin K. And why is that? Because it's put into milk and things? Yeah, I mean, so much of our food is fortified. You'll hear me say that a lot. If you remember from earlier, we talked about how it's in like butter and whole milk. and The good stuff. I mean, liver. Not a lot of people are eating liver. If it's in biscuits and gravy, not a problem. Anyway, signs of deficiency are heavy periods, bruising easily, or clotting issues, which can include internal bleeding. It's all kind of like blood regulation issues. Yeah. I've always thought that internal bleeding is such a scary thing because it can be happening and you don't even know. Yeah. And that's always been so wild to me. The bleeding from inside the house. Because you don't feel it, right? Like there's no nerves inside to be like, what's up? I'm bleeding and it hurts. Yeah. It just does it until you have more serious symptoms or or they catch it. Or you pass it. You pass internal bleeding. Yeah. No, but that's what I'm saying. If that like you, it's a more serious symptom. You see it and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm really alarmed now. What do they say if your poop is like coffee grounds? Coffee grounds means that it's old blood from way inside and it's had a chance to clot up. Eek. Yeah. If it's bright red, that means it's happened like on its way out. Okay. Can you take too much vitamin K? I don't know. Can you? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) In all of the stuff that I read, I haven't found that any serious side effects exist from taking too much vitamin K, but it can cause flushing and sweating. Meh. Meh. Sometimes I wish that like something so simple as too much vitamin K was responsible for how blotchy I get. No, I think it's vitamin Syrah that's leading to your I'm not blotchy now. Not blotchy, but flushing. I'm not flushing now. You got got a tiny flush. I feel like I'm public speaking, so. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I feel like what you said earlier really struck me about how if you see, if you think you might have a deficiency, yeah, it might be that vitamin K is your issue, but it could be all these other things. And I think that's something we keep coming back to. It's something that just, just rings very true about the supplement, not industry, but kind of the, you know, the endeavor to try to keep your body balanced with different supplements is that you're kind of entering a world of lots of uncertainties, but also lots of, lots of crosstalk, lots of synergistic effects. Very little is 
you know, just one particular ingredient working Mm -hmm. on its own. Everything is kind of like an ecosystem. And everything in the body is that way. But we're we're very used to treating, I shouldn't speak for everyone. We're used to treating the symptoms is what we're used to treating, but we're not used to treating the cause of a lot of issues. Well, and I'm very used to treating problems with my body in a very acute way, in a very kind of one-off way. Like you cut yourself, well, you you fix the cut. Or, you know, you're having acid reflux, fix the acid reflux, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas a lot of these things come back to this works with this, this doesn't work with this. It's just very complicated. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's another good thing about the information that you're getting out there. I mean, I feel like it's important to me personally because... How many doctors did I have to get through before one referred me to a functional medicine doctor? That like if I said, oh, I'm feeling this way, they were very quick to write me a prescription for something, but they didn't want to check to see if any of my vitamin levels were low or to recommend me to a therapist or none of the underlying causes. They didn't even want to think to address any of them. And if I suggested like, well, you know, is there like something natural that I can take before I just jump up on this Zoloft, which kind of makes me feel like a zombie. I met with eye rolls as opposed to openness that maybe there is some kind of imbalance going on. And that's really frustrating because I'm not against pharmaceuticals, but if there is something that I can fix. Right. By simply taking a B complex and a D every single day, then why would I not take those things first before jumping on this other thing that's synthetically produced and messes with all of these other systems in your body that can put all of these other, these natural, yeah, it can put all of those at risk whenever I could really just fix it with some kind of supplement. So hopefully, I mean, there are people who need Zoloft, right? But I'm saying that like, I think that those paths should be explored first or simultaneously but i don't think that people that come in like me that inquire about like well do you think that something might be imbalanced or like what if my adrenal gland isn't functioning correctly or what if my vitamin d is low i don't think that people should be eye rolled at it's already hard enough to kind of mention that maybe you've been thinking about something like that to have the doctor like eye roll you it sounds like there's not like a, a revolution that needs to happen where no. everyone suddenly, every doctor becomes a functional medicine doctor. No, or no, no. I think these but things should work it's just together. A, it's just a tone issue, yeah. right? But it's also hard because, I mean, these people have studied and they have a lot of experience seeing patients. And who knows? I mean, maybe they've seen patients who have really tried to make more kind of the, the supplement strategy work. I'm not saying just supplements, didn't. but even like a diet change can help boost certain vitamins or yeah. energy levels or, you know. Anyway, I'm not saying that don't take pharmaceuticals and only take supplements. I am just saying like, you know, there's a lot of stuff in your body that your body could work good if it's balanced and maybe not so good if it's not balanced. And it's hard to figure all these things out. Yeah. I feel like we often get into this conversation. Oh, like in life? No, on these on these podcasts. Because it's hard, I think. It's we pick apart all of the specifics on like one vitamin. Yeah. And then you talk about if you're deficient, all of these things could happen and these are signs. Well, I mean, you have to be like really deficient for these signs to happen. Whereas like if you need just a little bit, you can notice improvement of things over time. But then also things like D and K and calcium and all these things that have to do with like your insides, like your bones, you're never really going to actually know if it's helping unless you've gotten a bone density test. They say, you're kind of in trouble. Your bone density sucks. And then you start (laughs) taking this supplement and then you go get retested and it is looking better. That's really like the only way 
that you're going to know if like your bone supplement is helping. I love that. I'm actually, I'm glad that we're talking about this because there are a couple of supplements that I did want to recommend on this, like some of my favorites. I personally probably would not take vitamin K just by itself. I would always take it with a vitamin D or within a bone supplement. Mm. So a good D and K supplement, just vitamin D and K, is made by Solaray. And the best bone supplement, in my opinion right now, is the Garden of Life Grow Bone System. Hmm. So I actually gave this one to my mom. She had a bad bone density test. Oh, okay. And she took it for a while and her te- her next test had improved. Wow. So it's they get their calcium from algae and then it has a whole array of other stuff that works synergistically with it. Yeah. And it's a two supplement package. So you get two different supplements in the box that you take. The Garden of Life one is a little bit pricey. I think it's like 40 something dollars, depending on where you buy it. And that's for a 30 day supply. If you're trying to raise your bone density, you want to take something every day if you know that you're having a bone density issue. A more cost effective bone supplement is Gero Bone Up. And they make a three a day one. If you've ever taken a calcium, you'll notice that they are one, very large. And two, you've got to take like a billion of them a day. You're taking like a handful of calcium. Gross. Well, you can only fit so much in like Mm -hmm. a tablet, right? So they make a three a day and they source their calcium from free range New Zealand calves. (laughs) I know. They use a specific. I know. I'm hoping that like. Why New Zealand? They're oh, probably they're probably grass fed, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But it's really great that they tell you where it comes from. Yeah. Because a lot of places that use animal products don't tell you where it comes from. And it can just be from any and all factory farm leftovers. Gotcha. Especially if it's made from like bone matter and stuff. Where else are they using it? I feel like I get most of my calcium from hot dogs. Is that That's gross. Is that accurate? We don't even eat hot dogs here. I sneak them in the back. That's we're in quarantine. You're not sneaking anything. <laughs> So the cal- the form of calcium is called stimucal. I can go into it more on like the calcium episode. We will do one. But it the stimucal is rich in type 1 collagen, which is the main protein in bone. This specific one does not spike your blood calcium levels, which is great because remember mm. hardened arteries. So you're not getting too much calcium in your blood to be like an excess cool. to do other stuff it shouldn't be doing. Oh, so my mom was, she told us what supplement she was taking, which if you want to know what it is, send me a message. I'm not here on this podcast to like talk any companies, but I did email them and they said that their calcium is limestone based. And I looked more into their formula and there is no vitamin K in any of their formulas. So I would say that You know, if you're taking a cheaper calcium and you don't know where it's sourced from and maybe it's limestone, maybe it's not, just check the label and you can look to see if there's vitamin K on it, which is responsible for pulling it out of your blood and getting it to where it needs to be. So there's some drug interactions with vitamin K. Warfarin, a blood thinner. You need to keep the amount of vitamin K that you take, whether it's dietary or supplemental, very consistent whenever you're on this because sudden changes can cause dangerous bleeding if you consume a lot less suddenly than you normally do or blood clots if you consume a lot more vitamin K than you normally do. Be careful. Yeah. There are also some cholesterol-lowering medicines Antibiotics, like I mentioned earlier, and a diet pill, Orlistat, Hmm. Ally, 
it blocks mm-hmm. the absorption of fat in your body. Oh boy. And if you remember before, vitamin D and K are both fat soluble. Yes, very good. So you get decreased vitamin K absorption. Okay. For any of those drug interactions, just check the NIH fact sheet on vitamin K, which I will link for anyone who's curious. So that is our show for today. Please remember that nothing you heard here is meant to substitute for medical advice. I will put links on the Facebook and Instagram page leading to the NIH fact sheet on vitamin K, as well as that article that I talked about that describes the relationship between vitamin D and vitamin K. I will also put links to the products that I mentioned before, the Solaray, the Garden of Life, and the Gero products. If you haven't followed us on Facebook yet or Instagram, you can find us at facebook.com backslash supplements or instagram.com backslash supplements. Exciting news. Now we also officially have a website. The official website is supplements at weebly.com. So it's supplements.com. Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. So there you can find just, you know, what we talked about on each episode, the wine that we tasted. You can find the supplement recommendations and you can also stream the podcast very easily straight from the website. There's also a contact form there. So if you have any questions about anything that we might not have covered on this episode, or if you just have general feedback that you would like to share or requests for a wine that we should try, or what supplement maybe I should cover on the next episode, please email me or fill out that contact form. I also have to brag on you about the website because you decided one night that that was the night to do the website. Well, I got some feedback that I should have a website for people that don't really do social media so much. And so you sat down at the computer and you said, I'm doing a website. And I said, fine, (laughs) I'm going to do the dishes. And when I was done with the dishes... I came over and you had a complete professional website no. all finished. And yeah, I mean, okay, maybe that's maybe an hour or two. Maybe that story sounds like, okay, that website probably looks like crap. But you can go and look at the website for yourself and see that it actually looks I think looks it's okay. I'm pretty really happy with it. Good. And you did it all in one sitting. I was one very, sitting, yeah. Very in an impressed. hour or two. Mm-hmm. Very impressed. So you can use that contact form on that website or you can email us at supplements at gmail.com and just make sure that your phone or computer does not autocorrect supplements to supplements because then I won't get your email. That won't happen. <laughs> you can also leave feedback for things that I might need to improve on this website since it is, you know, pretty new. Yeah. I put a lot more details on Facebook than I have on that website right right now, but the basic links and information are on that website. But only compliment sandwiches are allowed. Or just negative feedback. I don't really care. It's fine. (laughs) As always, if you liked this episode, please remember to subscribe and find supplements wherever you listen to podcasts.